Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Christians tend to look to Scripture to find a passageway through both the past and the present. Countless sermons are preached focusing on prophecy as it relates to contemporary times. As Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we pay close attention to Revelation 13, but rarely have we fully known or understood the political shifts that have occurred in America's short 230-year history and how they apply to our country's significant role in prophecy. Greg Hamilton, president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association, is with us today to examine what he calls our country's five founding periods, from the Pilgrims to Donald Trump, all in the light of biblical and prophetic interpretation. We've been privileged to have him with us on our show before. Greg Hamilton, welcome back to LifeQuest Liberty. Thank you. Okay, let's dive right in. America's first founding period, you say, are the Pilgrims arriving. How does that connect us to the Bible? Well, in Revelation 13, 7, it refers to the earth, and the earth beast rises up in verse 11 of chapter 13 of Revelation. And that word earth is significant of a new world and opportunity, freedom, where they didn't have it with the sea beast represented in Revelation 13, 1 through 10, the rise of the sea beast representing Europe, the teeming masses where nobody owned property unless you were wealthy or a feudal lord or whatever, and you were part of the oligarchic system. So people even sold themselves as white indentured slaves to basically sell themselves so that they could one day be given land in order to prosper themselves. And by the way, you couldn't be a citizen or even vote unless you owned property. So that word earth in Revelation 13, 11 is an identifier of the rise of what would become the United States of America. So right there in verse 11, you have a key word earth, but you also have a lamb that speaks like a dragon, two horns like a lamb. Two horns is what? Two horns representing the new experiment of the separation of church and state that no other civilized society or nation had ever taken on. So at once it appears to be lamb-like, peace-loving, but at the same time speaks like a dragon. And that would be the case throughout the history of the United States of America. It appears to be one thing, but it's something else. In other words, it's very presence is deceptive, and its very history is deceptive and misleading, and that's why we have to be careful as Christians, being loyal to God foremost and loyal secondary to our country. That's sort of a beginning, but there are other key words in Revelation 13 there. There's the image to the beast in verse 14, but there's a threefold union of the United States of America, a revival of Rome's or the Vatican's significance, and then the word fire in verse 13, coming down as if it's coming down from heaven itself and being approved by God himself from his throne. And it appears in full view of men, but this is a deceptive fire. The word fire in the Greek is pura, and it's the same word found in the upper room during the day of Pentecost where you have the disciples meeting in the upper room with women and children, and they receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, these cloven tongues of fire. 
that's the true spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But in verse 13 of Revelation 13, it is a false spirit. It is a charismatic spirit. It is a false revival, an ecumenical revival that comes forward in the name of politics and deceives the whole world in verse 14 and 15. We have to understand what's going on here. And so when you look at America's five founding periods, starting from the Puritan founding to the constitutional founding in 1787 at the Constitutional Convention, to the Civil War founding with the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, and then the Civil Rights Movement founding, those four founding periods, you have basically a sweeping history that really is all part of what makes up Revelation 13. Are you saying then that the second period, the Constitution period, is a solidifying of where we were heading, or is it something that we are abandoning now and heading someplace else? Well, actually, they were all progressive. I mean, if you look at the Puritan founding, yes, it was well-intended. They sought religious freedom and escaping from Europe, but then they kept their European ways of really just guarding their own religious freedom and not allowing anybody else to really have their own. That's true. And so it was contentious. It was a period of religious tolerance, but not the constitutional guarantee of religious freedom for all others. And so the constitutional founders in 1787 in Philadelphia at the Constitutional Convention remedied that and gave us the constitutional separation of church and state, as well as the free exercise of religion. Then you move on to the Civil War period, and you have the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, which ended up being the 13th Amendment, freeing African Americans from slavery, and then the 14th Amendment, which gave us the Privileges and Immunities Clauses, the Due Process Clause, and the Equal Protection Clause. And that essentially, what it did in what's called the Incorporation Doctrine, made the Bill of Rights the rights that protect minorities against an abusive majority right. will of the people, it applied to the states. In other words, federal law and the Bill of Rights applied at the state level so that the states could no longer say that, well, we have our own laws and we don't have to answer to the federal government. And so that incorporated the Bill of Rights and made states abide by federal law especially civil rights laws right. and religious liberty laws. And so that was very significant. And then, of course, the 15th Amendment, giving African Americans and all people the right to vote. It was basically the first Voting Rights Act. So it sounds like America is still talking like a lamb at this point. We're trying to guard people's freedoms, am I right? Yes, but there was the fourth period, the Civil Rights Movement period, which is a fascinating period, the rise of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. and the rise simultaneously of John F. Kennedy. And what's significant about the rise of Kennedy in that period is the party of Lincoln morphed into the party of Confederacy. And what do I mean by that? That sounds blasphemous. It's complicated, but I can simplify it. John F. Kennedy was a Northeastern Catholic, Irish Catholic, right, right. from Massachusetts. And he was the new Democratic Party standard bearer. And in the South, the Southern Baptists and Methodists rejected that. And they said, how can this be our standard bearer? He's Catholic, for crying out loud. <laughs> but there was a double whammy against him, a double negative. That was the fact that he embraced civil rights and the civil rights movement. He embraced Martin Luther King Jr. And that was a huge no-no to the Confederate South. And so when he ran for election, he barely won the last state to count its votes, the electoral votes, 
with Hawaii, and they only had three. And it tipped the election over to Kennedy against Nixon. Now, Nixon won the entire South. The religious right in the South, represented by Southern Baptists and Southern Methodists, good people, don't misunderstand me, did a little dance with Nixon. Later, they would do a big dance with Ronald Reagan through Jerry Falwell. Ronald Reagan says, hey, you can't endorse me, but I endorse you, something to that effect. And from there, it was, uh, you know, it was a honeymoon, and... Reagan came up with the slogan, Reagan Democrats, and the entire South, by the end of his presidency in 1988, had gone from 70% Democrat to 70% Republican. Hmm. Did they change their values? No. They instilled their economic and states' rights values right into the Republican Party and turned the Republican Party into a virtual confederacy in terms of their values, their economic and states' rights values. So what's fascinating about that is their economic values is the idea of economic austerity without raising revenue. Mm-hmm. That is, no taxes. Right, right. And what emerged was the Tea Party. And that philosophy joined with the philosophy of states' rights are ultimately sovereign over the federal government and federal law, mm-hmm. basically infused itself into the Republican Party. And not that liberal states, I mean, you could even cite the marijuana dispute, marijuana laws in states where states, liberal states are defying the federal government because federal law says that marijuana is illegal. So, I mean, I understand that, but those are rare occasions compared to the constant drumbeat of the Confederacy in the South that says, this Confederate mindset that says that federal law is meaningless to us. We can do anything we want, anytime we want. And that dates clear back to the antebellum period prior to the Civil War and led to the Civil War, the whole issue of states' rights and the issue of slavery. So the Republican Party is no longer the party of Lincoln. It has moved to become the party of the Confederacy. Now, Kennedy, going back to the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party has swung to not only embrace civil rights, but they've taken civil rights to its logical constitutional extent, which is basically what I call secularism run amok. That is the idea of taking liberties and calling anything at once and everything at once a right, a constitutional right. How far do we go with that? Do we allow polymorous relationships and uh, arrangements to somehow be constitutional now as, as a right to have those type of marriages? Do we allow a dog to marry a tree or a human to marry a dog? I mean, how far do we take this? How far do we take equal protection rights under the law? How far does this slope extend, and are we going to take it as a country? And everybody says, well, those arguments are absurd. But in fact, I think those arguments are logical. How debased will we go? And I think what we're seeing in this country, our country, our beloved country, is this pendulum swing, this reaction against secularism run amok with, you know, same-sex marriage. And not that same-sex people should not have rights. No, they should have full benefits and rights. Now, as far as marriage goes, again, I'll just say this from my from my perspective. I do not believe you can argue against same-sex marriage constitutionally. The Equal Protection Clause makes it pretty clear that there's no way you're going to win an argument against same-sex marriage. To say that it's unconstitutional, you're never going to win that argument. I just don't see how. And so in our democratic system, there is the seeds, just logically speaking, as a fact-based understanding of things, 
there's a logical slippery slope that leads the other way towards secularism run amok and the perception that we've gone too far as a country. Okay? Hmm. So I'm not condemning same-sex marriage as a legal right. I have a problem with the moral implications of same-sex marriage, but I'm not condemning it as a constitutional right. I think that they have a logical argument that they, too, have a right to marry. So the pendulum swing is amazing. And as far as our country speaking like a dragon, I think what it leads to is the fifth founding the final founding period, yep. and that's the dissolution of our Constitution. All right, and we're going to pick that up on our next show. I want to save that fifth period, which you just mentioned there, for our next show. Would you come back and talk to us again? Yes, thank you. All right, very good. We've been talking with Greg Hamilton. He's the president of the Northwest Religious Liberty Association, going over the five founding periods. We have one left, and that we will take up on our next program. You won't want to miss it. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Greg Hamilton inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618 627 4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <music>